If you haven't filed your taxes in years, three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever, you may be quite concerned the IRS will come out of the blue one day at your door and throw your little dump truck in jail. And while it is true, under section 7203 of the Internal Revenue Code, it is a federal crime punishable by prison time to not file a required federal tax return. The IRS's current policy is to not criminally prosecute those who come clean and file their returns before the IRS comes looking for them. That's assuming, of course, there's no willful fraud or evasion at play. So it is certainly in your best interest to come clean with the IRS and get back in the tax system as soon as humanly possible, both to avoid criminal prosecution as well as to potentially mitigate penalties that accrue on your account for not filing your tax returns. You also probably want to get out in front of an IRS lien before they slap one on you. It's absolutely tragic when we see the IRS finally catch up to folks who are chronic non-filers. Oftentimes they're a bit older. They think they're under the radar and the individual or the couple get their mail one day and in the mail, they see a notice from the IRS saying that they have filed a notice of federal tax lien against them for tens or hundreds. I've seen millions of dollars of taxes and now their legacy their assets that they intend to leave to their children or other heirs are encumbered by this massive debt with astronomical penalties and interest. In another video on this channel called What Happens If You Don't File Taxes, I go more in depth about the 12 major consequences of not filing your taxes, but that's not the point of this video. This video is about just giving some straight talk and a game plan to those individuals who haven't filed their taxes for some time. So I want to give those of you out there who haven't filed in two years or three years or five years or 10 years or 20 years or however many years, a step-by-step -step game plan of how to approach your situation for optimal results. Why should you listen to me? Well, my name is Logan Alec. I'm a CPA. I have over a decade of experience representing taxpayers for the IRS and state revenue departments. Search my name in Google News. You'll see it quoted all over the web. Very highly sought after source to give my perspective on taxes. You can see here, you know, Yahoo Finance, New York Times, US News, Forbes. You can look at my company. My company is called Choice Tax Relief. We have a team of tax professionals ready to help you with your tax situation. You can book a consultation using the link in the description below or by calling 866-8000-TAX. That's 866 8,829. But right now, let's get into the good stuff. The game plan for you, what to do step by step if you have gotten behind on filing your taxes. And a quick hint, you probably shouldn't file all of them, or maybe you shouldn't file all of them. It's case by case. I'll tell you more about that later in this video. Let's get to step one. Step one, obtain your wage and income transcripts for all your unfiled years. Your IRS wage and income transcript for each year is a record of the tax documents that were filed with the IRS for that year, such as W-2s, 1099s, K-1s, etc. I'll tell you what to do with these wage and income transcripts after you get them in a later step, but for now, just get your hands on them for every year for which you have not filed a tax return. You can get up to 10 years worth of wage and income transcripts online through a free account you can create at the IRS website. After you create an account, you can go to irs.gov slash individual slash get dash transcript to pull your transcripts and it's pretty self-explanatory from there. You can also request these transcripts by mailing form 4506T to the IRS. So step one is to simply obtain your wage and income transcripts for all the years during the past two, three, five, ten, whatever years that you did not file a tax return. I will tell you what to do with them later in this video. But before we move on to step two, I want to mention states. If you live in a state that imposes a personal income tax, chances are if you haven't been filing your federal income tax returns for a number of years, you haven't filed your state income tax returns 
either as states generally don't have tidy transcripts like the IRS's transcripts, but that's okay because you'd use the same information for your state tax filing as your federal tax filing. One thing that you may have to get separately is your state withholding information because that's not on your federal transcripts. The federal tax withholding is on your federal transcripts, but not your state tax withholding. Sometimes you have to call up your state for that. Having represented taxpayers across the country, I know that states can have very different hoops to jump through, ranging from very easy. It's actually quite easy in California for us tax pros to call in and get information about a taxpayer state withholding. Other states are very difficult. New York's very difficult to obtain historical withholding information, but it's possible to get it from New York. Some other states, you can't get it. Anyway, in this video, I'm just focusing on dealing with the IRS, but I just wanted to let you know there could be some state issues here too. The general protocol is similar to the states, but every state is a little different. I can't cover every state in one video. So with that said, let's move on to step two. Step two, determine if the IRS has filed returns for you. When individuals with a tax filing requirement do not file a required tax return, despite the IRS's prodding and coaxing and demanding through various notices, typically the CP-59, CP-515, CP-516, and then the CP-518. So the IRS sends all these notices, right, to a non-filer, telling them, file this tax return, file this tax return. And if you don't respond, the IRS may eventually prepare what's called a substitute for return or SFR for you. This is basically, just like it sounds, a substitute for a tax return. It's a substitute document that the IRS prepares in lieu of you filing your own tax return and on the basis of which the IRS can assess a tax and therefore collect tax from you. And the IRS generally just prepares these SFRs based on the income report to the IRS on third-party informational returns and documents such as W-2s, 1099s, K-1s, etc. And they don't give you any deductions other than the standard deduction. They do not give you any itemized deductions, nor do they give you any business deductions. So oftentimes, SFRs will grossly overstate a taxpayer's liability for the year, especially if they earn a lot of income reported on 1099s because the IRS will count that income in calculating the taxpayer's liability for the year, but won't count any ordinary unnecessary business expenses that the taxpayer could take against their income because they don't know about those expenses and they're not going to go through the trouble of estimating them for the taxpayer. So if you haven't filed your taxes in a number of years, the next thing I would say you should do after you pull your wage and income transcripts, and we do this as a matter of course, choice taxually for our clients who haven't filed tax returns in a number of years, is determine which of the unfiled tax years, if any, that the IRS prepared one of these SFRs for. And then after you determine which years the IRS prepared an SFR for, you have to determine whether or not it would be in your best interest to file your own tax return to replace that SFR. But that's step three. Let's stay here in step two for a few more minutes and discuss how to determine if the IRS had filed an SFR for you. There are actually a few ways to do that, including checking online at the IRS website. You can check your account transcripts for your unfiled years. You can also call the IRS and ask them. So I'm gonna briefly go through all three of these methods to show you how you can see if the IRS has prepared an SFR for you for any of your unfiled years. So like I said, method one is to check online. If you set up a free IRS online account, which you can do at irs.gov slash payment slash your dash online dash account, you can log into your account. And the first thing you'll see when you log in is in big letters that say welcome, and then your name. And below that, a box indicating your account balance with the IRS. Here's an example from my own personal IRS account. So if you see zero there, 
under total amount owed, that's a pretty good indication the IRS has not filed SFRs for you. Even if the IRS had filed SFRs for you, they would likely show balances due on the SFRs, which would be reflected here. Sometimes there is a gap between the time the SFR is prepared and the time the tax is already assessed. So keep that in mind. But if you see an amount there greater than zero, that means the IRS believes you owe that money. Of course, this balance could be for years for which you did file a tax return. But if you click view balance details, you can see your balance by year. I don't have any balances for any year, but if you did, they would show up here. But if you have a balance for a year that you didn't file a tax return for, that means the IRS likely filed an SFR for that year and assessed the tax accordingly. Method number two to find out the IRS filed an SFR for you is to check your account transcript. Your IRS tax account transcript is a record of, as it sounds, all the activity on your IRS account for that year. So that include tax assessments, penalty assessments, interest assessments, notices going out, payments received, it's all there on the account transcript. You can obtain this online in your IRS account, the current account transcript, as well as the account transcripts for all tax years. Well, all tax years up to nine years ago, so the nine previous tax years that had activity within the past three years. But for many of you, your tax years go beyond three years ago. You may not have had activity within the past three years. So what can you do to get those transcripts? You could hire a tax professional like us, Choice Tax Relief. We have a direct line with the IRS to pull account transcripts, or you can request them using Form 4506T. So when you get your account transcripts for the years for which you haven't filed, they'll hopefully look pretty bare. And if they look pretty bare, that likely means the IRS has not filed an SFR for that year. Here's what the top of a typical account transcript for a non-filer looks like for a tax year for which the IRS has not filed an SFR. There is no assessed balance, there's no accrued penalties, there's no accrued interest because this individual did not file a tax return and the IRS did not file an SFR. The next section of the account transcript is a section in which some basic information from your tax return or SFR would normally appear. However, this section would likewise be empty if you haven't filed a return for the year and the IRS has not filed an SFR for the year. Note the phrase return not present for this account at the lower left. And finally, the last section of the account transcript, the transaction section will likely look pretty bare as well like this. You'll likely see a no tax return filed note at the top. At the bottom of the image from the sample transcript, you'll also see code 971, notice issued CP59. This indicates that the IRS sent the individual a CP59 notice, informing them that they didn't file a tax return and reminding them to do so if they are so required. IRS may send subsequent notices after the CP59, like I mentioned before, the CP515, the CP516, the CP518. All these notices use increasingly stronger language to encourage the taxpayer to file their tax return. So that is what an account transcript would generally look like for a year in which the taxpayer did not file a tax return and the IRS did not file an SFR for the year. But the IRS did file an SFR for you for an unfiled year, you will see a very different looking account transcript, uh, likely chock full of taxes, uh, assessments, penalties, and interest. You will see amounts in the top part of the transcript that shows you what the IRS believes you owe them. And these amounts, of course, are based on the SFR that the IRS prepared for you. The sample taxpayer was a 1099 income earner. He hadn't filed tax returns in a while, and the IRS filed an SFR for him just based on his gross 1099 amount. And in the information from the returner as adjusted part of the account transcript, you'd see for a non-filer with an SFR, key amounts in the SFR itself. So in this case, the IRS determined this individual's adjusted gross income just based 
on his 1099 to be $174,044. The IRS gave him just one exemption, gave him the standard deduction. They assumed his filing status was single when he was actually married, giving him a taxable income of $163,644. And the IRS is basing his regular income tax based on that amount and his self-employment tax basically just based on his gross 1099 income that they can see that was reported to the IRS. But the telltale sign on an account's transcript that the IRS has filed an SFR for you is in the transaction section. If you see code 150 down in the transaction section of your account transcript, that means the IRS prepared a substitute for return for you. And then a little while later, you'll see the actual assessment of taxes, penalties, and interest by exams based on the SFR. So that's how you can check your account transcript to see if the IRS has filed an SFR for you for a given year. Method number three to see if the IRS has filed an SFR is to just call them, to call the IRS. IRS phone lines are notoriously difficult to get through, but you could theoretically call the IRS at 1-800-829-1040 between the hours of 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. your local time, Monday through Friday, and uh, ask for picks up the phone, what your current balance is with the IRS, and if the IRS has filed any SFRs for you and for which years when you make this call, I will recommend you obtain the following information for each year. Well, obviously whether an SFR was filed and if so, when it was filed, your current account balance for the year, for each year's tax debt, the debt's collection statute expiration date, the C said this is the date the tax debt will drop off. All right, I think I spent enough time on this. So that's step two, in which you've determined the years for which the IRS has filed an SFR for you. And step three is to figure out whether it's in your best interest to file tax returns for all, some, or none of these SFR years. I'll get to the non-SFR years later in this video, as well as some tips on filing these old returns. But for now, let's talk about the SFR years, deciding whether you should file for them. Should you file tax returns for the years for which the IRS has filed an SFR for you? I would say that in general, it makes sense to file a return for an SFR year because in general, it will be in your best interest. There are exceptions, but here are three good reasons why replacing the IRS's SFR with an actually filed return might be a good idea. Reason number one, as I mentioned previously, SFRs usually overstate a taxpayer's liability because they're counting all the reported income, but no deductions other than the standard deductions. So filing a return to replace an SFR often results in a lower tax liability for the year. Reason number two, although the IRS's assessment of tax based on an SFR, which could happen years after the SFR is actually prepared, believe it or not, although that does start the clock on the IRS's 10-year collection statute to collect a tax debt, it does not start the clock on the IRS's three-year statute to assess a tax debt. So theoretically, the IRS could come back at any point in the future and revisit that tax year if you never file a return for that year. But if you file your return, the IRS generally only has three tax years from the date you file it to go back and audit that return unless there's fraud involved. But there are some exceptions, such as like I mentioned fraud, the taxpayer emits greater than 25% of the gross income for the return. And finally, number three, why it's generally a good idea to file a, an actual return for an SFR year. Although Internal Revenue Code Section 6020B2 states that SFRs are good and sufficient for all legal purposes, Internal Revenue Manual Section 20.1.1.3.3.2.12 B states that for purposes of obtaining first-time abatement for a penalty in which the taxpayer must be in compliance and penalty-free for the three previous years before the year for which the penalty abatement is being sought, an SFR being prepared by the IRS does not count as being 
compliant. So if a client would qualify for first time abatement for a penalty, but for the filing of the SFR, we may choose to replace that SFR with an actual return so they'll qualify for the first time abatement. That's a fairly rare circumstance though, because in order for that situation to materialize, the taxpayer would have had to have no balance for the SFR year, which is theoretically possible for a number of reasons, but it's certainly not typical. So those are three major reasons why you may want to file a return for your SFR year. Now, might I not file an actual return for an SFR year for a client in some circumstances? Yes, certainly that has happened. I would not do so if it, doing so would not be in the client's best interest. And here are some reasons why filing a return for an SFR year may not be in the client's best interest. Reason number one, doing so would increase the taxpayer's tax liability for the year. This is rare, but it is sometimes the case. Reason number two, the client is a good offer in compromise candidate. If the client's eligible for a $5,000 offer in compromise, for example, and they're going to settle their tax debt for $5,000, most of the time, it doesn't make a difference to them if we lower th their liability by filing a return to replace an SFR because they're just going to be paying $5,000 and that's it. doesn't matter what the liability is. And in fact, in a few cases, reducing a taxpayer's liability for a year could make them a less likely offer in compromise candidate. I may make a video about those situations someday, but let's move on to reason number three. Reason number three why I might not file an SFR or why I might not file an actual return for an SFR year is the debt for an SFR year is going to fall off soon due to the IRS's 10-year collection statute. The IRS only has 10 years to collect a debt, though that amount of time can be extended for certain events called tolling events, but the IRS's deadline to collect the tax debt assessed based on an SFR is going to fall off soon. I may not want to bother with filing an SFR. So folks, there's no cookie cutter answer here as to whether you should or should not file an actual tax return to replace an SFR for a given year. This is obviously something we analyze in detail for our non-filing clients, but those are some of the major factors you should be considering. If you have multiple unfiled years, and you'd like to, to hire us to analyze your situation and determine which years are in your best interest to file or not, please give us a call for a free back taxes consultation, 866-8000-TAX, that's 866-8000-829, or you can visit our website, choicetaxrelief.com, fill out the form on the homepage, and we'll get back to you. All right, step four of your game plan, if you haven't filed taxes in years, is to determine which of the non-SFR years you should file returns for. So at this point, You've analyzed the, the SFR years and you figured out which of those years you should file actual returns for. Now, let's talk about the non-SFR years. Should you file returns for those years? Well, right off the bat, I would say that for non-SFR years, older than six tax years ago, you probably shouldn't file. Why? Because the IRS in policy statement 5-133, which you can read in Internal Revenue Manual section 1.2.1.6.18 says, Normally, application of the above criteria will result in enforcement of delinquency procedures for not more than six years. Enforcement beyond such period will not be undertaken without prior managerial approval. Also, if delinquency procedures are not to be enforced for the full six-year period of delinquency, prior managerial approval must be secured. So in a nutshell, this is a, a policy statement about the IRS enforcing its own filing requirements on individuals who have delinquent returns, i.e. non-filers, i.e. people who haven't been filing their required tax returns, which I assume is you if you've made it this far in the video. And what this policy statement is saying is that the IRS will, in general, consider a taxpayer in compliance with their tax filing requirements if they have filed the last six years of returns to the extent required. Now, if you've been following along closely, you might be thinking, but Logan, you just told me a few minutes ago the IRS could always come back and assess tax for a tax year if you never file a tax return for it. And that's true. But here's the kicker. SFRs 
which would typically be the means by which the IRS would assess a tax on a year for which he didn't file a return. SFRs are overwhelmingly prepared by the IRS's automated substitute for return ASFR program. And Internal Revenue Manual Section 5.18.1.3.2 describes the criteria for a tax year referred to as a module in the manual to be considered to have an SFR for it prepared by the ASFR program. And the first criteria in this section of the Internal Revenue Manual is that the tax year is not older than five years prior to the current year, current processing year. And this dovetails nicely with the policy statement 5-133 that I just told you about. So it is the IRS's current policy to, in general, not prepare SFRs for years older than five years prior to the current processing year. And if it's 2023, the current processing year is tax year 2022. And if it's 2024, the current processing year is tax year 2023, and so on and so forth. Now, just to be clear, policy statement 5-133 and the IRS's ASFR criteria are not law. These are merely policies that the IRS has unilaterally adopted of its own accord. Could the IRS unilaterally change these policies at a future date? Certainly, they could, right? So look, I'll tell you, there's a small degree of risk that the IRS will in the future change these policies, but that is not an expectation that I believe will happen anytime soon, if ever, quite frankly. So we've established that in general, it's not a good idea based on current IRS policy to file tax returns for non-SFR years prior to the past six years of returns. What about for years within the past six years, right? Which were within that policy statement 5-133 compliance period. Well, if you wanna get in compliance with the IRS from a tax filing perspective, which the IRS will require of you, if you wanna pursue a resolution such as an offer and compromise or an installment agreement, you'll need to file all of the past six years worth of returns to the extent required. So the first thing you wanna look at is your wage and income transcripts you pulled in step one, remember those? As well as your own records, right? Because then all tax information is on the wage and income transcripts, like business expenses, that's your own records, right? And if you don't have all your own records, right? You know, some can be estimated, right? So you take the, the information the IRS has, the information you have and, and determine which you should file for. So in general, for most non-dependent taxpayers, you'll have a tax filing requirement and you should file that year for a given year if your gross income during that year, not your taxable income, but your gross income, top line, is greater than or equal to the amount of your standard deduction for your filing status and your age and your spouse's age if you file jointly with them, but not including the increased standard deduction amount for blindness. However, if you have self-employment income, the threshold to file a return is if your net earnings from self-employment, and that includes your business deductions, right, for the year, are at least $400 during the year. So if your net self-employment income is at least $400 during the year, you have a filing requirement. There are other things that could trigger a filing requirement as well, but those are the general rules. So if I were you, I'd basically look through your wage and income transcripts for the past six years to make it simple. Look for the years in which your gross income based on the wage and income transcripts exceeds your standard deduction amount for the year, not including the increase for blindness. And those are the years that you have a filing requirement for in order to be considered compliant in filing compliance with the IRS. If you have 1099 miscellaneous box seven income or 1099 NEC income, you may want to consider yourself having a filing requirement for those years as well because the IRS doesn't know about your business deductions. Now, obviously not all income is reported on W-2s and 1099s and other tax forms the IRS knows about. 
as a tax professional, I recommend you file true and complete tax returns. But I'm going to leave it at that because sometimes records get lost or they may have been non-existent in the first place, especially if you're mostly in a cash-based business. But let me tell you, the IRS is very good at auditing cash-based businesses when they want to based on other factors. I've discussed some of that in other videos. Now let's talk briefly about refunds before we move on. You may still want to file a return for a year that you don't have a filing requirement for if you would be getting a refund for that year because you either qualify for some refundable credit or you've had federal income tax withheld from your wages or, or some other income source. Keep in mind though that the deadline to get a refund for a tax year is generally three years from the original due date of the return, right? which is typically in April of the year following the, the tax year, the return year. There's an exception to that if you made a payment for that year in the tier time span before you file the return for that year. You could conceivably get a refund for that year up to the amount you paid for that year within that tier window if you don't meet the three-year rule. So this stuff can get quite complicated, especially if you have a situation where you have these older years with SFRs and other without SFRs, you have refund years that you may be coming up against the refund statute. And folks, that's why here at Choice Tax Relief, when we start working on the case for someone who hasn't filed their taxes in, in five or 10 or whatever years, we start by, by analyzing each year. We put together a game plan for each year. We put together a game plan for their resolution to deal with their debt. If you'd like a free tax consultation, give us a call 866-8000-TAX. That's 866-8000-829. Or visit us at choicetaxrelief.com. All right, on to step five. Step five is to prepare and file the returns you decided you should file in the previous steps. Now comes the fun part. Actually doing the tax returns that you strategically decided you should file. So for most people who want to resolve their IRS issues, these are basically going to be the years for which the IRS filed an SFR and you believe it to be in your best interest to file a return for that year. This is gonna be the years for which you have a filing requirement within the past six years. And it's gonna be the years you're still eligible to, to get a refund for, even if you don't have a filing requirement. I'm not gonna get into the nitty gritty of how to file these returns in the ordering strategy because I've actually covered all that in another video called how to file back taxes, avoid penalties and get your life back on track. There's a link to that video at the top of the screen and in the description below. So I'm keeping step five here brief because I made a big old long video about all the details of this step five in that video I just mentioned. All right, step six, seek penalty abatement, okay? So for most of our clients, with penalties in their account, we at least seek some sort of penalty relief for them. Sometimes the IRS grants it, sometimes they don't, it's not guaranteed. But it's generally at least worth a shot. Uh, I do intend to create a separate video digging into IRS penalty relief in detail. It can be a complicated topic and it's probably best left to its own video. All right, and now we're at step seven. Pay what you owe the IRS or seek tax relief. Finally, you have to figure out what you're gonna do with what you owe the IRS after you cleared up any disagreements with them concerning the amounts you owe, such as by filing actual returns for SFR years, and after you have paid any penalty relief, right? What are you gonna do with the remaining debt? You can, of course, pay off your balance in full. This will obviously stop future penalties and interest from accruing. However, a better option, if you qualify for it, would be an offer and compromise. An offer and compromise is an agreement you make with the IRS in which the IRS agrees to accept a lower amount to satisfy your tax debt and what you actually owe. That said, not all taxpayers qualify for an offer and compromise. So there are other options. Uh, there's a temporary hardship placement called currently non-collectible or CNC status. 
There's installment agreements for taxpayers who wish to pay their balance over time. There's full payment installment agreements and also partial payment installment agreements, which actually reduce your balance. In my Tax Relief Explained video, which you can check out over on the top left-hand side of your screen right now, you can learn about all of these options in more detail. Uh, I also have my Tax Relief videos available in a playlist you can access at the bottom left of your screen. Want to book a free consultation? Give us a call, 866-8000-TAX, or fill out the form at choicetaxrelief.com. Thanks so much for watching, everybody, and I'll see you in the next video. Bye-bye.